0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has thousands upon thousands of retail locations all over the United States and they offer great batteries, right? Now, I got a buddy who is kind of a car nut, a truck nut, and he told me that, I guess on the research that he's done for car batteries, Interstate Battery car batteries and truck batteries are some of the highest quality most reliable truck batteries that they have on the market I don't know anything about it it's just what my buddy told me so if you're looking for a new car or truck battery you need to go to your local retail uh, interstate battery retail shop and go pick one up because I guess they're badass so I know I have one in my truck other than that if you have TV remote controls, Interstate Batteries makes uh, a battery for that. They make batteries for your rangefinder, your trail cameras, and basically any other electrical device for the most part that you use uh, while hunting or fishing or being outside. They also have a whole bunch of other little knickknack products too, like uh, uh, my buddy Dan Spano. Uh, he is uh, uh, a manager for his family's interstate battery retail location he got me some of these cool flashlights that have switches on them one of them looks like a lantern so they have a whole bunch of that stuff too if you want to find out more information about the kind of batteries that interstate batteries makes head on over to interstatebatteries.com or visit your local retail store
1: Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast, where we celebrate our hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos, no status, just catch it, cut it, and cook it. This is episode 39, Heart of the Issue, with Dan Johnson. Today, Nick sits down with creator and CEO of the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, Dan Johnson. Dan harvested an incredible buck this past fall and wanted to try something new, the heart. We break down some of his initial expectations of the organ, unpack the reaction from himself and his family members that he served to, Along with some other banter, this is a great conversation. So sit back and enjoy. Before we begin, I do want to say that 2019 has been an incredible year and partially thanks to you folks. Our outreach has been incredible. We've been able to put together some new content ideas that I'm excited to uh, pursue here in 2020. So as our new year rolls around, I think it's going to be even brighter. Um, Do want to remind you that any time that you can tell someone else about the podcast is going to be very beneficial to us. If, they can, if you can leave a rating or review, that also helps spread our outreach to new folks who may be looking, how can I use Wild Game, and maybe we can give them some ideas. So anyway, thanks for your support and your continued support as we move on into this next decade. Anyway, let's actually get started. Well, hey, good afternoon, folks. Thanks for joining us. Digitally. I'm sending across from someone uh, pretty important. He, uh, he's the QDMA communicator of the year back in, I believe, 2017. He'll have to change me if I get that wrong. Does what a normal man can do on a normal day, but with only nine fingers. <laughs> he can tell you how many points a buck has just by the rub alone, yet can't seem to match children's socks to save his life.
0: Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> Host <laughs> of a number of podcasts, including his very own Nine Finger Chronicles, the creator and CEO of Sportsman's Nation Network, I guess making him my boss, I am sitting across from digitally, Dan Johnson. Dan, how you doing today?
0: That's one hell of a intro, man. I feel like I'm getting ready to go on stage and someone's like, "I." you know how rappers have hype men that just get the crowd hype before the rapper comes <laughs> out? I, I need you for every podcast man
1: if there's one thing that i can be it's probably going to be a hype man that should be <laughs> i am sick of this nine to five business we're getting into the hype job
0: <laughs> yeah dude you just need a big gold chain now <laughs>
1: yes big gold chain sparkly uh wireframe glasses i'm in
0: yep 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 what's up man how you doing
1: hey i'm doing great um are you still living the dad life you, you've given up the nine to five. Are you got resumes out or you, uh, you just love and the dream at home?
0: I tell you what, the nine to five gave me up. And <laughs> <laughs> so I, am I live dad life every day now. So I got like back in like this March will be one year independent, right away from an actual job. So I, uh, I, they pulled me and about 20 other people, 30 other people into a office and said, in two different, you know, two different locations and said, all right, today's your last day. They did like a 5% company wide cut because I was low main on the totem pole in my department. As far as, you know, the time, time that, uh, I was there, I got axed along with a whole bunch of other people. And luckily I had the nine finger chronicles and the sportsman's nation to fall back on. And, uh, I've been doing that, uh, full time ever since. And I say full time in quotes, but I'm really just a guy who talks into a microphone who has three kids that he has to watch. So I'm, I'm basically <laughs> a, I'm a dad who does other stuff.
1: Gotcha. It, it's funny. Cause like, um, my, my father went through a very similar thing. Um, he used to raise birds for a larger company and that company got bought out by an even larger company. So as he takes over the farm from his father, they immediately lose like the big, portion of what they would raise birds for and so yeah going independent it is I imagine very scary for the first little bit but then at the same time I'm I'm sure it's become more of a refreshing thing on the backside. is that you've been able to grow the sportsman's nation your you know your effort has been into your kids and into this you know digital kid that you're creating so I'm sure it's uh, found its way to be something special.
0: Yeah, I tell you, it's you know going solo and you know basically being your own boss is you know really what I am. Um, it, it's just a, a different. It's a lifestyle change, really, is what it is. I mean, it's like okay, well, all the money that I made from the Sportsman's Nation and the Nine Finger Chronicles was basically just my hunting budget for the year and as that that grew then my my trips got bigger my uh my budget got bigger and i was able to do some really cool things but now it is my income so i have to be really creative with uh uh you know the amount of money that i'm giving to the family and at the same time having to budget for a business as well so it's just a one big learning experience
1: well, so far it seems to be working out well. Well, at least what you're telling us, which seems to be right. working out wonderful. Right. So, Hey, I'm excited for you to be independent. Cause yeah, I know it's freeing on that side of it. Um, with this sportsman's nation, was that something that, I mean, you were already in the midst of several podcasts at that moment. What, what tipped you off to say, you know, what, I'm done with just the single podcast. I want to be a whole network. Where did that brainchild come from?
0: Well, I'll be honest with you, man. Um, there was a when i was doing the cubicle work in the cubicle life i was listening to a lot of podcasts um whether it was you know everybody knows joe rogan or um everybody knows you know like meat eater and stuff like that um and then when i and i was i was still putting mine out and i was the co-host on wired to hunt right and you know there there were some really good podcasts out there and this was a long time ago where all right, this is going on year number two now for the network. And I said to myself, man, I think it would be awesome to have a podcast podcast network dedicated to, you know, the hardcore dedicated to, you know, like a one-stop shop for everything a true outdoorsman needs. And, and what I mean by that is relatable content, something that uh, a guy who, you know, works that 40 hour, a job week plus, you know, or he's, he's working overtime or, uh, find content that is high quality, but relatable and excellent content. I mean, that's one thing that I really pride myself on, not necessarily myself, but uh, you and all the other content providers, uh, on the sportsman's nation is that the, the content is primo, you know, I said, there's a lot of other podcasts out there that um, may not be as good, or I feel like all they're doing is maybe ripping off another podcast or, um, the, the, the whitetail podcast, the, the guys who have whitetail podcast, a lot of that information is just regurgitated, uh, multiple times, multiple times. So if a new podcast comes out, it may not be, uh, anything really new, different or exciting. So what I decided to do was, uh, round up, uh, you know, a stable of podcasts that I thought were really, really good and, uh, asked them to join the, the network. And here we are.
1: That's awesome. I love how you get that, that one-stop shop. Cause yeah, it seems even it's on my feed. I put it up just to see who's putting out something new. Cause I don't, in my world, like I don't live around bear hunting. Uh, we do have a season in Michigan, but I don't, I don't get to step into that world very often. And so now having, you know, a a bear hunting magazine pop up on sportsman's nation once in a while, I can, you know, jump into that and experience something new. So yeah, I love how it's a one-stop shop that you've created.
0: Yeah. And the, the cool thing is, is this is, this isn't just to put out content for people. I mean, Holy cow. Uh, I've on the uh, we have the, the Whitetail feed or the the sportsman's nation Whitetail podcast, right? That's the network podcast. Uh, with all a whole, all the whitetail related content, even some extra stuff on there, and then we have the Sportsman's Nation Big Game feed, which has the bear hunting, the elk hunting, the you know the mule deer hunting, even uh, dog you know using dogs to chase bear and mountain lion uh, with the Hounds of an XP podcast, and it's just exciting to get because I I've never used dogs to hunt period right uh, other than maybe a pheasant hunt back in the day. Uh, but I've never bear hunted. So just being able to learn and listen to what some of the other content providers are putting out is just very educational for me as well.
1: Good deal. Um, knowing your history as an avid whitetail hunter and now, yeah, you've been able to branch out into some different species. Um, you've been out chasing elk, uh, went out and, um, did some mule deer this year. Uh, I think it was last year or maybe it was last winter, You even tracked down and shot an emu. Do you still have that in your freezer?
0: (laughs) Oh, it's not an emu. Okay. It's like an emu, right? So they have an ostrich, an emu, and what I shot was called a rhea, which is basically the same thing as what i just mentioned right so uh yeah i went on a i was invited to go down on a, a hunt down in texas and <laughs> i i have to laugh at it because it's not what i typically do but i got invited you know one of those trips that's like hey we're gonna pay for it and i'm like well uh might yeah i'm as not well. gonna turn that no, down <laughs> exactly so i got to go to a. Uh, basically a high fence operation down in Texas, and you know it's your typical feeder situation. And uh, man, I was out there one day, and a flock of emus came in, and <laughs> I smoked. Uh, I smoked the dominant male, and it, what's really cool about that is the second that bird died, the other male started fighting for dominance. Whoa. It was nuts to see, right? They're all their, their, their wings puffed up and they started like pecking at each other and fighting each other because that, that male was gone. He was dead. And, uh, then the others started fighting they worked their way off. Uh, and, and, but to answer your question, yes, I still have Rhea meat in my freezer and, uh, I can't wait to pull it out again.
1: Awesome. Yeah, the fighting of the emails for pecking order just after the first one goes down kind of reminds me of high school a little bit. <laughs> Jimmy's down. Who gets Jimmy Jimmy's
0: C? Down. <laughs> Bunch of testosterone just going all over the place.
1: Exactly, but yeah, your freezer's full of stuff. Um, and we've I, we've gone back and forth. Um, and you've mentioned that yeah, just with time and with distance, uh, a lot, especially the distance side of it. If especially you're bringing an animal back home doing a self process is not something you're going to want to do. But um, I did want to just to kind of jump in with Dan, what's your experience with butchering your own animals, whether it be the the local deer or turkeys, how often do you get in there with a blade on your own?
0: Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, So turkeys, pheasants, fish, that stuff I take care of all myself. Right. Um, Now, Uh, like I said, when, or like you said, when we were out in uh, uh, South Dakota, the guy I was with shot a mule deer. We had to pack that out and we took it to a a processor and uh, they took care of that for us. So in the past, I have butchered a entire, you know, an entire animal, uh, entire deer. uh, And it's, and it's just time consuming. And uh, typically I'm shooting that you know, whether it's a dough or a buck in November or October, I've already burned a lot of bridges. The, bound, the brownie points are already uh, <laughs> They're done. Used up they gone. <laughs> They're used up. Yep. So th- when I get the opportunity to go home early and spend some, get back with the family and get back into the routine of being a dad and a husband, um, it's just, I feel like I'm paying for convenience at that point. And I just take it to a locker and I say, I want this, this, and this, and then I go and pick it up.
1: Yeah, that's the big balance. Um, I'm yeah. kind of in a my own spot where when I put the bird down, or excuse me, bird or the the um, deer down, I am, you know, only a few minutes from my homestead. So I'm able to just yeah. throw it up and, and have that done. I haven't done anything uh, long distance wise uh, to go get something, um, but I can see how that time, yeah, especially somebody like yourself who's chasing deer on multiple tags, it's, uh, it's something where, yeah, you're gonna have to really, really look at what time you have available and pass along, what else. So, yeah, that's. I wanted to get into that just to see if you know it was it something that you were just like, ah, I haven't done it before, or the last time I did it, that's how I lost my finger.
0: And... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm not that bad with knives, but I'm I'm pretty bad. Uh, the 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 thing is, you know, it's like this year, right? I shot my buck. It was, I was, I'd already been gone for 13 days, 13 or 14 days. I've been gone from home roughly. And it was, uh, do I take another day or day and a half? Because I still had to go take down all my trail cameras and my tree stands and, and, uh, get rid of the, you know, clean up the timber before shotgun season started and then take another, you know, take a half a day to go to the taxidermist and then take another, you know, eight hours to break this deer down or however long it would take and and then potentially grind it and then go to the store and get some beef to cut the, the deer meat with. And it just like, for me, like I said, it's, it's purely convenience and I don't have all of the gear I technically need, like a grinder. I can borrow one from my stepdad. I don't have a, you know, I have a garage, but it's not set up for hanging a deer. Um, I would have to do it at, uh, my, uh, my mom's, my the family farm. And, uh, outside of that, it's just, you know, again, uh, go pay for it. Say, I want sticks. I want, uh, I want salami. I want steaks and I want ground. And, uh, then, you know, a couple weeks I go and I pick it up and it's frozen. I just go right to the, basically forget about it until they call me and then go put it in my freezer.
1: There you go. It's like the shipped of the actual, hunting world where, yeah, we now go online and we order our groceries and we kind of do the same thing now with, uh, with our deer. So no, that's good. Uh, I would love,
0: I would love to just be able to, at some point in my life, shoot a deer, take it back to my place, take care of it all, you know, have all the, all the equipment that I need to take care of all of it myself. Uh, someday, I mean, it's a dream of mine, but right now it's just much easier to, to take it in.
1: Well, good deal. I'll keep that in the back burner. The next time you down a deer, maybe I can somehow just quick fly out to Iowa and we can do a, <laughs> we'll, we'll go one-on-one on this deer and we'll get you the stuff you need. Absolutely, um, man. But yeah, we've got, I really, I wanted to have you on as we've been going back and forth um, on this this issue. I'm going to get right to the heart of the issue, because that's all what we're here about is we're here about talking about the heart that you pulled out of, uh, this buck of yours, just to bring everybody up to speed. What you got in a massive animal out there in Iowa. Tell us about the hunt that you had on this buck.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, I guess it was, see, I started my quote unquote rutcation, uh, November 1st, right. The, I think it was the afternoon of November 1st. I I started, um, hunted all the way up until the four. I, I can't even remember if I shot my deer on the 14th or the 13th, but, uh, I think it was the 13th shot it on the 13th. And, uh, you know, one of those liver lung hits and, uh, he went into some thicket. I waited a while, went and got my stepdad, shot him, drug him out. I mean, uh, it's uh, it was one of those years where I really had to work for what I had, and uh, uh, it paid off in the end, man.
1: Good deal. So you ended up with an untouched heart. So you opened yes. him up, and oh, there it was, just big, beautiful, round uh, yep. heart there. So you got to keep that is, is that a normal practice that you've been able to do? Or is this something where you're really like, I have the opportunity. I'm going to take it.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is the first time I've ever kept a heart and I'll be, I'll be honest. Part of it was because, uh, of you and, you know, having a, uh, a venison or wild game focused podcast. I really wanted to, explore different cuts and uh you know try something different uh, you know everybody everybody's eaten backstraps everybody's eaten you know uh replace beef with uh venison ground you know ground venison type recipes like chili and spaghetti and you know what i mean yeah so i wanted something different i wanted something that i'd never had before so um i pulled the heart out i was going to save god you know, you'll know this, but what's that—that uh, that fat that's around the stomach?
1: Oh, the the cull fat. Yeah, yeah. I was going to c a u l. That's yes. tricky so, stuff to pull out.
0: Yeah, I tried, but it didn't work out, so I just left it in the gut pile. But I did grab the, I did grab the, uh, the heart, and uh, a lot of it had to do with this podcast, to be honest with you, and then seeing different recipes online, and I just wanted to. Uh, Recently, when I, when I mean recently, I mean, within the last two years, I've really tried to expand my wild game cooking repertoire.
1: Yeah. You got almost have like two camps with that. Like right now you're, you're trying to expand, get more out of what you got, you know, for taking this heart at the same time, when it comes to ground, like you can basically make venison tastes like anything you want it to taste like like you like you mentioned chili you can't mimic cardiac muscle you can't hide that it is completely different than say any sort of cut from the hind leg or even the shoulders it is muscle but that muscle fiber the the grain runs almost circular as opposed to like you can say oh or this is how this muscle works here well that heart is flexing and pumping blood so it's like it's creating a pump. So it's got a different action. So when you start slicing into that, and I'm sure you saw that slicing um, your heart as well. Yeah. You can't mimic that with any other piece or it's kind of like, it's kind of hard to hide what you're cutting up at this point. Did you kind of see uh, with that heart? Did you kind of see like, Oh man, this is something like it's familiar, but yet very different.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, cutting through it, was fairly simple, right? I mean, I, I didn't really know what I was doing as far as uh, taking it apart, but I could definitely tell that the, the fiber structure was different. I mean, with, with a, you know, a back strap or a hindquarter, you can see the, the, the fiber, the muscle fiber in the cut with the heart. You really, it's almost like a solid piece. And I, I was just, you know, I guess, just it was unique to me and so that's just one thing i noticed right out of the bat was that and that uh um it it had a a stronger smell and i don't mean a bad smell just a stronger smell than let's say like a backstrap or a hindquarter as well
1: yeah well you're getting that especially i mean you're getting that from what we essentially call the fifth quarter and that's the the pieces the entrails that we're pulling off of and so yeah it's gonna have you know, it's going to be very uniquely venison. It's kind of hard to yep. to get rid of that. Well, I shouldn't say get rid of it, but it's it's hard to to mask that at that yep. point. Um, what did you expect as you you pulled this out? What were some of your predetermined expectations? Whether they were right, whether they were wrong? What were you expecting to happen with this heart?
0: You know. I honestly had no expectations because I was at a Christmas party when I cooked these things, when I, when I started cooking it. And obviously everybody's like, I ain't touching that. I'm not going to eat that. That's gross. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, whatever, you know, I'll eat I'll eat the whole damn thing if I have to. (laughs) But, um, one of my uh, stepbrothers, he was there, he likes venison. My stepdad tried it. My brother tried it. uh, My wife tried it. Um, and, uh, so what I, what I wanted to do is before I actually, had what I was the, the recipe that I was cooking, I sliced some up and just threw it on the grill with, I mean, just a touch of uh, lemon pepper seasoning on it just so it wasn't straight game. And, uh, so I wanted to try it basically when I, I mean raw and what I mean raw was no seasonings on it just so I could get the natural taste of it. Um, before you know, I did anything else to it.
1: Yeah, the straight. Yeah, no chaser, just straight. No up. chaser. Yep, <laughs> just heart. Just heart. What was your texture on it? What did you think about? So, it?
0: so this is this is a horrible way to describe something that I thought was good. Was imagine being able to cook and chew a rubber band. <laughs> you're right that, it, that
1: doesn't sound good but i'm sure it
0: yes yeah. so it when i bit into it it was extremely tender but it was like the initial bite down on it was not rubbery but it was it was almost like it, and i'm not gonna say chewy because it just it it was it was different i mean it was like someone's stewed or put a little small piece of rubber in a crock pot and cooked it until it was edible. That doesn't have anything to do with the flavor, just a little bit of the texture, but I I, I thought the, the, the texture was unique. You know, it was smoother. Uh, the, the, the first bite or whatever was, was really something that surprised me. I honestly, I thought it was going to taste horrible uh, because of because I didn't put any seasoning on it. And I thought it was just going to be something that was unedible, to be honest
1: with you. But it turned out it was probably quite mild at that point. Like you were like, oh, this is like the good side of venison. This isn't the venison fat that we've been hearing about. This is the good stuff.
0: Yeah, right, right. I mean, it had a, you know, for for those of you who have never eaten heart or, always, oh, you know, people say gamey and I hate that. I hate that term gamey because, you know, every, everything in this world tastes different. Beef tastes different from chicken, chicken, chicken tastes different from fish. So, you know, I feel like when someone describes, uh, uh, venison as gamey, it's just, it's, I don't know. It It, it just doesn't you're not doing anybody any favors, you know, you're not getting anybody else excited about what it is you're cooking there. And, uh, I, so when I say this, it tasted gamey. It me, you know, I'm just saying that to relate.
1: Yeah. Something unique, something you you can't quite put your, you know, your, uh, it was stronger. It was similar to this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was a stronger taste than a backstrap or a, uh, you know, your typical cut of venison.
1: Just wanted to take a time out and say thank you to the listeners for tuning in. It really does mean a lot. I would also appreciate that if you haven't already left a rating or review, uh, to go ahead and do that. It all helps folks find us and get on board using and enjoying their wild game. Feel free to chat with us and ask questions either on Facebook, The Huntivore, or Instagram at Huntivore. Got a recipe you think is dynamite and want to share? or have some show topic ideas, email us at huntivore at gmail.com. For even more hunting and fishing podcasts by real, relatable sportsmen, head over to Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, which happens to be a 2% for conservation company, who give 1% of their earnings and 1% of their time helping out the wildlife and wild places we all love. Now, back to the show. Well, good deal. I and you posed it. I saw you. You sent me a um, a tag on, I think, on social media someplace, and you had said, "Hey, looking for some ideas for the heart." And so I I started digging through on on what we had done, what I have done in the past. Um, one way is pretty unadulterated. It's pretty much forward that yeah, this is heart. And a, a second version that I had for you was going to be something that you could hide it just a little bit because just when you get into like, I know, especially up here in in Michigan liver, it's everybody has had liver at some point in their life and they either love it or they hate it. They either have memories of it being awful and then you've got other folks that, oh, I I can't get enough of it. I got to, I got to eat more and more of it. And heart finds itself in that, that same thing where, if it looks like heart, people are already, they're eating with their eyes. They're already going to turn it yeah. down. And then you've got folks that see something that isn't heart, or it is heart, but doesn't look like it's, you know, this beating organ. They're going to they be willing to try it. And so my my three-dish breakdown, we're going to do this together. Um, the first dish that I was going to throw out to you, and that this one is pretty much, I find that it's really basic and easy for like a hunt camp crowd pleaser. So you're with your stepdad and your brothers and your cousins, and you guys are just having a few beers. This would be a good one. Um, and I even have a one-up on it that I'll mention here in a second. But by just taking that heart and basically making steaks, you just start down at the point, and you just work your way up and make about a half-inch cut or half-inch thick steaks and lay those out. Um, you mentioned throwing some lemon pepper seasoning on that little bite that you had. I'll pretty much throw salt and pepper on both sides and in a skillet, just sear both sides so the inside is pretty much just a medium rare on, on heart. If you get it past, uh, past medium, the rubber band becomes more of a, of a tire. (laughs) really chewy and really unpalatable but if you can get that medium to medium rare that little i mean it's a it's round you see kind of where the vent the um, valves were the chambers were you're not hiding that it's heart um and so when you first came to me i was like well hey do heart rings but then i later thought of like "Ah, he's probably going to be taking this to some shindig where folks are not going to be that happy to see an organ on the yeah. plate. Is that how your, your family is? It's like, I, I want to eat it. I just don't know one. I don't want to know what it is. Right. Okay.
0: So here's the story, right? Um, in my family uh, growing up, like I never had, I, I really didn't grow up in a hunting family, right. Until uh, my mom and stepdad got together. Uh, and that was already after I was uh, well, that was after, high school or college or whatever. And so I remember one of the first deer that I ever shot, my dad, who's not a hunter. uh, I made a bowl of chili. I made venison chili. Uh, I thought it was really good. And I, but I didn't tell my dad that it was, (laughs) I didn't tell my dad there was venison in it and he ate a bowl and then he ate two bowls. And he's like, Hey, this is pretty good. Thanks for cooking that, whatever. And then through conversation later, I said to him, Hey, I use deer meat in that. What'd you think of it? And he's just like, Oh, I knew something tasted different about that. You know, like <laughs> like, like, yeah, whatever. Like, I think of
1: that I, Chris Farley skit where he served uh, the instant coffee crystals <laughs> and flips the table.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was it, it was something like that. But you know, I have a feeling that if I would have if I would have made those poppers and said it was a, maybe even a different cut of deer meat. If it was backstrap, um, you know, uh, a trained taste, you know, trained taste buds would have been able to pull, pick it out and say, ah, it's not backstrap man. But a, someone new would have said, Oh, okay. Well tastes like, uh, you know, tastes like, what it tastes like, you know, like they, they wouldn't have had a problem with it. But the fact that I had that thing sitting out in the kitchen, I cut it up in the kitchen <laughs> around the entire family. Uh, and people were just looking at me like, Oh my God, Dan has gone crazy.
1: <laughs> well, that's good. You want people to think you're a little bit crazy in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, They know it. So yeah, the, uh, the image, we got to hide that. Uh, mm-hmm. that's what brought up my, my second, And my wife actually found where I was going to, um, end up taking, taking this one. Um, I was going to have you make, uh, heart tacos and, you know, you can look up heart tacos on the interweb and find about 50, you know, different, uh, recipes for that. Um, I know it is traditional down in, in Mexico, uh, to use tongue, liver, and heart in making these tacos, um, I forget the actual name of the taco like there's taco el pastor which is actually like they shave meat off this almost like a euro mm-hmm. uh, meat wheel that they use um, there's I know they have tacos de la guista my my Spanish teacher probably just fell over <laughs> anyway that's like specifically tripe, the tongue right. uh, then that's... there's you're using tripe too you are using the yeah, that's the stomach, and so there's different uses for that, and they've made that into a taco, and I guess that's just knockout dead good. Yeah. Um, my wife came up with a marinade, and she got it from somebody at her work anyway. Um, but the real kicker on it, I mean, you're seeing all the normal Mexican spices, you're seeing cumin, you're seeing, um, cayenne pepper, you're seeing uh, salt, uh, but then I saw cocoa powder. And that, that kicker of cocoa powder, the bitterness added into the heat and the sweet that you're getting in from the different things, I tell you, that took everything to the next level. I guess cocoa powder is like what they use in mole a lot, which is like their sauce. So when you're doing something Mexican, here's your hot tip for the day, is add cocoa powder to whatever you're seasoning is, and that's... That just adds to it. But I was going to have you do a quick marinade on the the sliced up heart at that point, then go to the grill with it and and do tacos. Yeah. Um,
0: So that was actually my second choice as well. What I was going to do with it, I was going to make a fajita
1: out of it. Uh, There you go. uh,
0: You know, peppers, onions, uh, you know, chopped up and then put in a cook it all on a on a skillet. And then, you know, after the veggies get a little soft, then I throw in the the slight, the very thinly sliced deer meat. And then obviously what I'm doing with all that is basically, like you said, hiding the fact that it's heart by adding potent other, you know, peppers and sour cream and guacamole and lettuce and tomatoes and, and, and basically making uh, a fajita out of it, which is just like, it's almost, I, we went out and had uh, Mexican the other night and I, my wife's like, oh, the, the Mexican food here is good. I'm like, the Mexican food is the same every single place <laughs> you go. It's the same damn yeah. recipes. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, at the, and I had fajitas and I was just like, you know what? I don't know if I could honestly tell the difference. If you blindfolded me with just all what's going on in a fajita mix, whether or not it was beef or chicken, right? I could tell shrimp cause that's a completely different texture, but I didn't. I don't know if I could tell the difference just from the amount of other things that I put on a fajita.
1: Yeah. All right. We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to line up a whole bunch of fajitas, Dan. We're going to put you to the Pepsi challenge here. (laughs) We'll line you up. That doesn't sound like a half bad job either. (laughs) I know.
0: Uh, Excuse me, sir. You're now the official fajita taster. (laughs) Oh, No. No. (laughs)
1: So then that brings us to the third dish, and this is the uh, the wild card that I didn't expect. But at the same time, out of Iowa, I couldn't think of anything more Midwest. Like, this was a hashtag Midwest win <laughs> here, is a jalapeno popper uh, yep. made with uh, deer heart. That was a win. I was, I was really, really happy to hear you say that. Um, I'm not going to steal the show at all on this. I want you to tell me... All about these poppers. What did you put in? I mean, how did you do prepare the the pepper? And I got an additional question later for you on that. And then right. the mix—like this wasn't just plain old cream cheese. This was doctored up filling that yep. you had going on. So lay out what you did.
0: All right. So I got to pull something up here uh, to some of my latest uh, content that I pulled up. That way I can tell you exactly what. Uh, what I put on there. And so let me, I'm going to, I'm gonna, going to say something real quick. And that is when you're click, I, so I cut the jalapeno in half first off, and then I took a spoon to try to get out the center of it. Right. Because the seeds are extremely hot. Right. Um, so I drug it instead of scooped it, I drug it. Well, that creates some backlash, up into the eyes and face. Oh no! And, oh, dude, I feel <laughs> I, I felt like I got pepper sprayed. I was in the kitchen swearing. You know, I was just like, "Son of a gun!" Ah. And my kids are like, "What's wrong, Daddy?" I'm like, "Stay away from the peppers." <laughs> and uh, I didn't wear gloves, so after that, I my fingertips and my hands were burning because I didn't I I prepare for working with jalapeno peppers. Yeah. that stuff's
1: like, it's like axle grease or like, um, even, uh, what am I thinking? Poison Ivy. Like as soon as you've like washed your hands, stop and do it again. Like that's that thick of stuff.
0: Yep. So first thing I did was, uh, chop the jalapenos in half. And then I scooped out the centers, right. Set those off to the side. Then I, uh, cut the heart in half and then, well, it was actually, probably quartered it, uh, quartered it. And I sliced them into not necessarily paper thin, but really thin slices of heart, deep red meat. I I was just really excited, uh, to try it just because of how dark the meat was. Right. It just, it's, it just looks so natural.
1: Yeah. Really Uh, rich.
0: Yeah. Really rich. Set that off to the side. And then the next thing I did was make the cream cheese, um, filling and it's pretty basic, you know, uh, cream cheese, onion powder, garlic powder, salt, um, pepper, and then uh, shredded cheese. Like, uh, I think it was just American shredded American cheese that, that went into it. And then I took spoonfuls of that, that cheese mix and applied that to those half of the peppers. Then I would take the thin strip of raw heart lay it on top and then wrap it in bacon and put a toothpick through it. And that is, that was the recipe. I, I, I guess I, I didn't necessarily go off anything. My wife, my wife, uh, gave me the idea for the cream cheese mixture. And I, I used that on the peppers, wrapped them up, set them to the side and then went to the grill. And I don't think my grill honestly was hot enough to be honest with you. I probably could have cooked them a little faster. I cooked them, uh, somewhat slow because I I hadn't done that before. Yeah. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to burn them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and then just started the process of, uh, cracking a bush light and drinking it while I, uh, you know, rotated the, rotated the, the cream cheese filled peppers with venison and bacon on the, on the grill dude. And that's when I tasted, that's when I, I also had those, uh, some additional cuts there that i threw on the grill and i ate those while i was uh cooking the the poppers
1: gotcha yeah i saw a couple off to the side so those were those were for the chef just to see how things were going it sounded like it it went really well yeah you can get that you can get your uh grill screaming hot um you know we put that you put that bacon on there you don't want thick bacon this isn't the stuff you want for breakfast you want to get the stringy real fatty stuff because yeah if you char that I mean, it's it's bacon. It's going to be good, whether it's, you know, baked to a crisp or if it's uh, still a little bit squishy. Um, But, yeah, that's going to protect that inside uh, from getting scorched. Um, Did you find that the the jalapeno had a little bit of bite to it as far as like you had to really I don't want to say grind with your teeth, but you had to really cut that skin on the backside. Did you notice that a little bit or was not Uh, that not a problem?
0: You know, I'll be honest with you, uh, I did not have a problem with that. It. Uh, I think what happened was uh, the fat from the bacon absorbed into the vegetable itself and the moisture from the cream cheese just kind of softened everything up really nice. And uh, uh, there was still some crunch to the actual vegetable, but it, it wasn't chewy. It wasn't uh, stringy, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. No, that's good. I know yeah. sometimes if you get an older jalapeno, um, it helps to take the skin off. You put them in the broiler, and you basically char the outside and then steam them in a plastic bag real quick, and then you're able to pull that skin off. It's real thin. You can't cut it, um, but I've gone with that because I've gotten some older jalapenos. You like, you pick up the big one. You're like, all right, yeah, I'm going to use this, and then you end up like have, like you have the stringiness to it, and it's hard to get that bite. So, no, I'm glad you had some fresh jalapenos there. That, that, was, that wasn't the case.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, man, uh, they they went on the grill easy, pulled them off, and then it was time to eat them. And I'll be honest with you, uh, I was surprised on how, how awesome – like first time ever cooking heart, first recipe, it just turned out – it turned out awesome. And uh, it's something that I'll probably continue to make uh, – I mean you noticed – like I said, it, it, the, the venison itself, the heart itself was not chewy. It was very easy to eat. Uh, it wasn't, it didn't overwhelm. I didn't, I didn't season that at all. If I was to do it again, uh, it was kind of a last minute thing, but if I had to do it again, I would probably, uh, marinate it for a couple hours in, or even thin it, then uh, you know, slice it, and then marinate it a little bit in like some soy sauce or uh, some olive oil or something, just to cut that "quote unquote" gaminess just a little bit more. Um, and I'll be honest; I think the only reason people didn't eat more of them was because they, they saw, saw me it. cutting it. <laughs> they saw it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's but awesome. I, I sure as hell destroyed them. Exactly. Hey, nobody else is going to eat them? Fine. I'm going to eat more of it.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Well, good deal. Yeah, I like how you're going to just add a little bit to uh, the heart. You know, just a little bit to get the salt to it because, you know, as much as we add salt to things to to mask it, it does enhance it. So, like, you're not, by using a salt, you're not covering up um, that heart. So, giving it a couple minutes or, you know, even you know, a couple hours in some soy sauce or something just to give it that enhancement. I think it's, it's not going to mask the game, but it's definitely going to bring out what we like about venison, what we like about it and rather than make it off putting. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, Dan. You had mentioned, I think, also on the social media that in some cultures, I don't, I don't know which cultures, <laughs> that you do like you're taking the life form or the life source of this animal by pulling out its heart. It's, I mean, it's pretty uh, primal when you're doing this. There's no easy way to get a heart out of a out of a carcass. You'd, it's it's yeah. just like uh, Indiana Jones. You're you're ripping the heart out, and there's there's yeah. blood pumping in it, and it's running down your hand. And so I can definitely see where the strong connotation of the life form you're taking on this life force of this animal. Uh, did you did you find yourself feeling a little stronger after eating those feel yourself <laughs> a little bit more vibrant? Did you?
0: You know what? I To be honest with you, I did feel a, a, a source of accomplishment and, or, or just a, a different positive feeling that I was able to take as much you know that much more meat out of the animal that i harvested as opposed to just letting it sit in the gut pile right yeah and you know someday i hope you know like uh when the native americans would kill a buffalo or or a different animal or you know some of these uh uh tribes when they when they killed an animal they used absolutely every part of it you know as much as they could from it. And I think it would be cool someday to even go deeper into that and take out the liver, uh, and maybe even get that call fat, uh, out of there. And even to the point where I can start, you know, maybe messing with some bone marrow or, you know, making my own broth, uh, or, you know, getting into, you know, the tongue or, Uh, what's that called where you're got, you're eating the, uh, the meat of the head.
1: Um, I'm thinking of, Oh, sorry. I'm just thinking of like head cheese from pork, but doing the sort of the same thing where you, you, or you, you boil the head down and you get all the collagen, you get all the stuff that really makes it thick. And then, yeah, the
0: cheek, the muscles on the, around the cheek and the face, like, yeah, like I am a huge fan of those, those, uh, food network or travel channel shows where they're going to unique and exotic places and seeing how other people cook. I want to be able to someday just be able to take as much from the animal as humanly possible, because I, I, I feel like at some point they, they deserve that. And, uh, you know, no longer just a a backstrap and ground ground beef type or, you know, ground venison type family.
1: Yeah. the, you know, I, there's just a lot of that would go into as far as me doing wall hangers. As far I call it like a shoulder mount. Um, that's just something, I don't know, I just haven't gotten into yet. Maybe I haven't got the caliber of deer yet to uh, shoot a wall hanger. But I do know that, you know, when I put an animal down, like the last thing that I want to be able to do is give respect back to that animal. Where, you know, I'm going to make a Euro mount or I'm going to try to keep the hide, but at the same time, my my song and dance there is that I want to use as much of that as possible and to be able to like, Hey, we took this animal, but look at the life that it's giving back to my family, to my friends. And so I, I hear you re- loud and clear on that, that the more that yeah. we can use, the more respect gets back to that animal.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, the, the, taste is awesome. Using the meat is awesome, but one of my favorite things, about this was uh, I made mule deer spaghetti out of, I didn't shoot the deer, but uh, I packed him out along with the guy who did shoot him. So he gave me some of the meat uh, kind of as a thank you and uh, the teamwork that we had, but just and even preparing this heart and eating that uh, mule deer spaghetti and eating the, my uh, deer meat uh, sloppy Joe's that I had last week when I'm preparing this, I am thinking about the hunt that I harvested this animal on. And it's just, it's just another way to continue thinking about the outdoors. And it's just something it's, it's, it's like, for me, it's better than watching TV. I'm sitting here slicing this heart, uh, or, uh, when I make, uh, browning that, uh, that meat for the spaghetti, I'm just, and eating it. I'm just remembering how far I, I had to, we had to pack that thing out three and a half miles to get back to the truck, uh, just so we could then drive another forty-five minutes to an hour to get it to the, you know, to, to get it to a cooler. So then the next day we could take it to the uh, the processor and then you know try to go do it all over again. But it's just with every bite or every, the smells, it just triggers a memory of a past experience. And that, that, that's what does it for me, man.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome to hear there, Dan. So folks, yeah, we've, we've gone through three dishes right now with a single organ. you got heart rings. If you're not afraid of looking at a heart, you got tacos, which they're going to take a little bit more prep or fajitas, but at the same time you're able to hide the fact that it's a heart uh, but still pull out that awesome taste. Or if you're feeling really brave, doing the Iowa pepper popper here from Dan Johnson. That's a <laughs> thats a winner. I, I want to go shoot another deer just so I can get the heart and make poppers now. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. I can't wait to... Um... I can't wait to mess around with uh, the heart again. I think uh, poppers are probably going to be off the menu for the next go round, But I think in fajitas or maybe if it's just me and my stepbrother or me and my stepdad, just going with a down and dirty cut like the steaks or, you know, steak and onions or, you know, something more uh, primitive.
1: Yeah. Uh, the one add in I had for those rings. I may have m- mentioned it already. But anyway, Um Popping that ring down and starting the sear. At that point, um, you ever heard of hole in ones? Is that something? One. Anyway, it's uh, basically a piece of toast, and you cut the middle of the toast out. So as it's browning, you then crack an egg, and you put it in the middle of the bread, and then you would flip it. And so basically, you have like a soft, a yeah, a soft boiled egg in the middle of your toast. Um, gotcha. We used to make them all the time uh in in high school and just the amount of butter that you need for those I probably shouldn't have them at my age but anyway to take that (laughs) idea and translate that so to put down a, a heart ring or a heart steak and have the middle take out that middle divider wall and drop an egg in there I think that would be a total home run there for your your heart steaks. so you got like a soft yolk inside of a heart nothing says better sauce than a than a chicken yolk.
0: Absolutely. Hey, I, I do have a question for you though. Um, what is your go-to when you're, when you're eating your venison, uh, whether it, uh, whether it is a heart or maybe even a backstrap. And I know this is kind of a loaded question, but what's your go-to drink of choice?
1: Oh man. It's very, very situational. Uh, if i'm if i'm looking to impress we're we're going with the red wine we're going with something yeah. super dry um a sauvignon or something like that uh any other occasion if it comes in a can or a bottle it's going to pair very well <laughs> right so so a bush light works out awesome for any occasion and in fact uh Dustin, he couldn't be here today, but anyway, Dustin would attest that uh, Bushlight goes with everything. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, here in Michigan, we are very, very up on our crafty beers. Um, so yeah, you get something. In, definitely in the cold of winter, you want like an oatmeal stout. You want something with some, uh, some heft behind it because yeah, that combination of of dark beer and red meat, mm, real good.
0: Right. That's, and that's another thing that I, I really want to not just, not just even with venison, but all food is like there's an art to pairing. Right. Um, I, I took my wife to Napa Valley. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, for, a, for a trip and we did a lot of wine tasting and we heard a lot of people talk about, you know, pairings, food pairings, uh, with specific wines. And that's one thing that I want to, I want to be able to do is say, okay, well, I shot a rabbit this morning. What wine goes with this recipe of this rabbit or Turkey or deer or pheasant or fish or whatever we had, you know, pick the best possible, uh, wine or drink beer, whatever, to uh, to just, you know, make that make that taste even better, if that makes sense.
1: See, I'm liking what you're throwing down right now. I'm going to pick that up. You're telling me I need to go get sloshed in the name of Sportsman's <laughs> Nation? <laughs> Honey, it's, Honey, I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, okay, so – You know, I, I mentioned I ate the bush or I drank the bush light with the poppers, but man, my, one of my favorite meals ever, and it really doesn't matter what it, what kind of fish it is, but just like fried fish, potato salad, you know, preferably walleye, some, some fish like that. We we do it a lot with bluegills, but pork and beans, potato salad and fried fish with a, with a, a, a cold beer in the hottest summer, like I'm thinking a three one two, something a little bit lighter to match the fish, yeah. Um, like a wheat beer, uh, a three one two, or a um, oh man. There's a whole like uh, there's a whole bunch of like wheat different uh, wheat beers out there. Something from uh, oh, there's one called Snapshot. I don't know if they make it anymore from uh, uh, New Belgium. Uh, makes a a beer called snapshot i was gonna say
1: i need i need some brewery action i need to know what what brewery we're talking about but yeah snapshot's a good one
0: line and kugel makes a good one and uh that is probably my one of my favorite wild game recipes especially when you can catch the fish yourself you clean it yourself and it's in the fryer the same day
1: yeah that's awesome that's awesome well, Dan, this has been a an, an epic hour. Thank you for sharing your story on the heart. And just like with those uh, those cultures, um, you know, some even think that the animal is looking down at some point, and they're watching to see what is being done with my earthly body at that point. And I'm sure if your buck is looking down at this point, he is going to turn and say, "Job well done." <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I want to give you just a couple seconds here. Dan, where can, uh, where can we find out more about you? Where can we find out more about Sportsman's Nation? Um, give us the quick uh, shameless plug here.
0: Well, the first thing that I want to say is for everybody who's listening right now, uh, uh, Nick is way smarter about wild game than what he leads on. And uh, I'm pressuring you on air to put out more recipes because I think that you have the knowledge and the experience to do that. And that's one thing that uh, I want on the Sportsman's Nation more. So I'm, t- I'm, I'm digitally twisting your arm to get more <laughs> recipes out there for everybody to enjoy.
1: Ah, uncle. Uncle, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs>
0: I'll do it. Other, But other than that, man, you know, sportsmensnation.com, and uh, it's sportsmens with an E, S-P-O-R-T-S-M-E-N-S, right? Sportsmensnation.com. And then uh, the same place that you're going to find the Hunovore podcast is the same place that you're going to find the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast on the Sportsman's Nation and uh, all the other great content providers there too, man. So,
1: Excellent excellent well dan hold on for just a second thank you so much for for all that you've put out and folks if you're not pulling out your heart maybe you should be uh be thinking about it i know we're coming to the end of season but there's still the opportunity so folks make sure you get outside and uh always keep your knife sharp